KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Lason. Did you know that Washington has a state office of equity? It's one of the results of legislative action in 2020 and a commitment by thousands of stakeholders to make Washington a place where everybody can thrive. That's very easy to say and get behind, but it's something else entirely to actually do, measure, and implement. That's the challenge for Megan Matthews, the director of the Office of Equity, here tonight on Northwest Now. Washington was the first state to establish an office of equity. In a video describing the purpose of the office, Jay Inslee, in language that's so much like him, simply says that, quote, Washington needs to be a place where everybody has a shot. Who can argue with that? But of course, after the big vision, politics, radical thought from both the left and the right, and the universal quest for money and power always complicate what sounds like a simple issue. So here we are, living in an America deeply divided about just exactly what equity should mean. When Governor Inslee removed longtime activist Dr. Karen Johnson as the first director of the Office of Equity last spring, Megan Matthews was named as the interim director. In August of 2023, though, Matthews was named the full-time director and has served in that role ever since. Matthews has a master's in public administration from the Evergreen State College. Megan, thanks so much for coming to Northwest Now. Great to have a discussion about the State Department, the Office of Equity. We're the first in the country to have such a thing. Is your sense when you go out to the public, do people say, oh, yeah, I know all about your department? You're like, now, wait a minute. We got what? What's your, what do people say? The latter. The latter. I'm really excited because um, this year we've been focused on doing a lot of hiring so that we could build our capacity to do the bodies of work and really connect with people in a way that's intentional, but also make change. And so one of the things we're excited for is um, a communication strategy to get out there and let people know about us. Yeah. Um, I... We're in Tacoma, um, obviously, and we broadcast to all of Western Washington, but I do want a little bit of bio and also to talk about where you're from, because that's very important. Yes, yes. Well, so um, I am from Washington State, long-term Washington resident. I'm born in Tacoma. I went to Stanley Elementary School, which is just a a few blocks away from where we are right now. Um, And I graduated from Lincoln High School. So I'm from here, um, and I'm excited to be in this role in this opportunity. Um, I've been a state employee for 15 years now, so oh, okay. not only am I from the community, but I also have a lot of experience in, uh, in state agency work and really understanding some of the, the great folks who are there and also some of the barriers that we need to remove to really create more fairness and opportunities for Washington. Talk a little bit about the office itself. Now you're in Olympia, how, how many folks work in that office? How big are you? Um, and what is your span of control? Do you just look at state agencies or do you also look at contractors? What's your scope, your scope of practice, I guess? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, right now we have 25 people in our office. Um, we have capacity for 36, so we have been doing a ton of hiring. And um, I am I'm hoping that by the end of January, end of January we'll have 35. Um, and we'll just hire our last role, our legislative director after legislative session um, completes in 2024. Our mandate is to advance systems change. 
So policy and systems change for Washington to make sure that all people in Washington have access to the opportunities, the power, and the resources they need to live the life in, in the way that they choose. Um, and it's a huge mission. And what, what um, I believe is that it's going to take all of us. And so it's not just about state agencies, although it's a huge, it's a huge um, uh, factor uh, state agencies are because we have we hold the policies, the processes that really impact people's lives and create barriers for some and access for others. So we will um, we be working with state agencies mostly, but also want to work out across sectors. So we want to work with nonprofit, private, um, want to work with the legislative branch, judicial branch, want to work with community organizations, um, local government as well um, to really be able to amplify the work that is going on what's well, the ideas, so we don't have to recreate it ourselves, um, and also create tailored approaches for different communities so each community has what they need to be successful. So to be fair to say that you're doing the equity piece as a as a policy director or a, as a in a policy function for state agencies and then more of an educational outreach and hey, here are some things, you know, best practices for folks outside of that area of control other governments, contractors, nonprofits? Yeah, I would say um, policy um, and accountability for state agencies okay. because um, we want to be transparent. We want to be able to have real change. It's not just about, you know, flashy, you know, um, notifications and, and, uh, and awareness things. It's really about creating real change. And to do that, we have to have accountability and transparency so folks in our community know what's happening. And track and also the progress. Bring them and track the progress, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And then bring community members together because community members are the ones who hold all the solutions. So we really need to work with the people locally who are doing the work so that we can really tailor the approaches and the solutions for them. I always forget this and leave it to the end, but I want to make sure I don't this time. So we're going to put it right up here at front. Where do people learn more about your office if they want to understand, understand what programs you're involved in, what your outreach is, who the folks are? How do they go about doing that? Yes. So our website is www.equity.wa.gov. Um, and we are relaunching our website next month, so stay tuned. Um, it's going to be uh, beautiful. And then you can also email us at info, I-N-F-O, at equity.wa.gov. Okay. Now, here comes the hard stuff. And I, I don't intend it to be hard. I just I want to give you a chance to speak about some of the things that I know you're hearing all the time at a party or to get together from other people saying, now, wait a minute, what about? Mm -hmm. So let's start with the equity. There's equity of opportunity and equity of outcomes. Yeah. And that's been very controversial. A lot of people will get behind the idea, everybody should have a shot. In fact, that's what Jay Inslee says. Everybody should have a shot. I don't think anybody would argue against that. It's ensuring the equity of, of outcomes that gets a little questionable. Because you know the, the nail that sticks up too far will be pounded down. That's what a lot of, of folks are worried about. Talk about that subtle difference between opportunities and outcomes and how the office approaches it? I think we look at the outcomes to understand where the barriers are. So the outcomes tell us, so, you know, I think if we look at most people, we are similar. We want similar things out of our life. We want to um, uh, maybe own a home or rent or be able to travel. We want to have kids or not have kids. We want to be able to earn a living wage. We want to be able to have a good health care. Um, a good education, access to these different things. If we're looking at, if we understand that we both have similar interests or we both have similar wants in our lives, um, and um, then the outcomes should, should be reflective of the demographics in our community. 
if everything is fair. Right now, what happens is the outcomes show us that there are um, things that aren't fair for different communities um, in our in our in our great state of Washington. Um, and so we look at that to understand where are our policies, practices and processes creating burdens differently for people. And then how do we need to tailor solutions so that we remove those barriers so that then people can have the lives that they want? Because this so isn't- the, So okay. the solutions come on, still on the opportunity piece as opposed to a solution on the outcome piece where the outcome is now, now you don't have to take the test. Now you don't have to learn the material or you, you know, whatever people are talking about, you know, you've heard a lot of pushback against this outcomes piece. Mm -hmm. So looking at outcomes is a measurement tool or a way to observe what is going on where opportunity isn't right. equitable. Right, right. And sometimes it may be where you think about access and accessibility. So uh, if you, if we both had a piece of paper to do a test, if I, if I could not see, I couldn't do the test. Sure. So I need a different, um, a different way to take the test so I can still be successful. But it's not, give, have, it's not giving you the answers and saying, okay, you pass. Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, and so if we look at it that way where it's like, what do we both need? I have the intelligence, I have the ability to take yeah. the test. I just can't take it because of a barrier that we've introduced into the process. And so it's really working with people who are in different communities and they can say, well, and you know, we're hearing from Eastern Washington, which I know Eastern Washington always feel like, y'all leave us behind, you don't talk about us, right? The distance to get to jobs, to get to hospitals is too far. That's a barrier, right? So where are the barriers all throughout Washington state that we need to remove? Which affects outcomes. Which affects outcomes, yeah. yep. One of the things that really kind of helped me understand equity was a cartoon, and I'm sure you've seen it, where three kids are trying to watch a baseball game. Mm -hmm. um, the status quo is the little guy can't see, the middle guy can't see, only the tall guy can see. Mm -hmm. Equality is they each get a box to stand on, yep. an equal box, but the one kid still can't see. Mm -hmm. Equity is everybody gets a box according to their need mm -hmm. to see the ball game, which looks good on the surface to me. I was like, okay, I see what equity is now. Everybody can see the ball game. Yeah. I think the only question is, is if the guy on the right, the taller guy, ever decided he wanted to go a little higher, is that okay or does he need to be pounded down? Does the oppressor, is he an oppressor who needs to be pounded down or can he still strive for more and achieve more? Yeah, the, the goal of equity, and, and this is why it's so hard, right? Like, what, how do we talk about, how do we yes. explain equity? Because you can't, there is no visualization to, to make it, to really express the point. And people are afraid. And people are afraid, right? But um, even looking past equity to get to justice where that fence is not there, right? Where those barriers are completely mm. removed, right? So that's even looking at it further. We, we won't get there yet. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, this is really about... Um, people are prevented from having opportunities. That's all it is. Once people have access, real access to the same opportunities or two opportunities that they want for themselves, the sky's the limit. Yeah. We, and it doesn't have to mean taking opportunities away from somebody else, right? Right. Because I always feel that's one of the real traps people get into too is the seesaw game. Yep. Well, for you to go up, somebody else has got to go down. The yep. oppressor's got to be smashed. Yes. Is there anything in your, you know, you, you talk about oppression and some of those things. That, there are some, some buzzwords in, on the website, I will mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. But is the intent to smash the impressor or is the intent to have both sides go up on the seesaw as opposed to having one side get pushed down? Yeah, you know, we live in one of the most, one of the wealthiest states in the nation. There's enough for us all. There's enough for us all. And so we don't want to get caught up in 
uh, in order for you to win, I have to lose. This isn't a sports game, right? Um, this is something where we're talking about, we all live, one of the office equities values is Ubuntu. Um, I am because uh, uh, we are. Our destinies are linked together. Our lives are, are linked together. We think about the outcomes in our community, are in our communities, right? When you have an increased poverty, crime goes up. When you have um, access to, like no access to resources, jobs, education, right? The outcomes in your communities uh, go down and that impacts us all. And so really looking at it holistically, um, moving a little bit away from me, me, me only and realizing that what happens to you affects me as well. Um, and, and understanding that there's enough resources in Washington State for us all to have the lives that we want to have, but we don't have to have it where we've got people sleeping on our streets. Yeah. We should, like in one of the wealthiest states in, uh, states in the country, we shouldn't have people sleeping on our streets. And it impacts us all. So for me, it's really about changing the idea from, it's not about um, you win or I win, it's about we all win. Right. And so how do we come together to do the things that we An oppressor class and a victim class and... No. and I don't like to use that kind of pitting them together. Right. Yeah. You know, the divide and conquer. Right. That's how we stay in the situation where we have a few people who are winning. But the most most of us are struggling. I think most people in Washington, if you talk to people or when I've been talking to people, they don't feel like they're winning. They are hurting. They are struggling to live in paycheck to paycheck or they have one paycheck bank, but one emergency and it's over. Right. They don't know if they're going to be able to have housing for the rest of the year. These are the things that we need to talk about. When we have conversations about, you know, you versus me, we all lose. That is a perfect segue into another very important concept, I think, which is I think a lot of people really look at equity and it's all about race. I think people of racial different racial backgrounds mm -hmm. who are in the same basic economic class have a heck of a lot more in common than they do with the billionaire class or the 5%. I really see it as a class thing as opposed to a race thing. And in the, in the governor's equity summit, there was that question asked. There was a video made of that big equity summit. Yeah. Why start with race? Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good question. Why start with race? Because that's the first thing all of our minds go to, as opposed to, you know, Martin Luther King's whole campaign was the poor people's campaign. It was about class. That's how it started. Um, the civil rights movement ha had to be expressed in race, but it was really about the haves and the have-nots, which is what you discussed um, there for a minute. Why start with race, and do we need to keep the class piece in mind, too? Both. Um, I think so much about the conversation uh, really wants to have you have, have it be binary. Yeah. Have it be this or that. And really, it's the both thing. The reality is that um, our our country was founded on racism where you have, you know, um, uh, indigenous folks, native folks who were having land stolen and uh, black people were two thirds of a person in our constitution. Right. And so the reality is that you race is a foundation of. Um, oppression in this country, um, and by addressing you uplift us all. You know, we also have data that shows if we only look at economics, it doesn't address the racial disparities. So you have to look at both. Um, and looking at race, we're not not to the exclusion of everything else, right? Because if you look at any any group of racial uh, of any racial group. Um, it's not a monolith. No, you've got still... folks in there with disabilities, folks yeah. in there with um, gen different genders, sexual orientation, religions, right? So it's really about looking at um, the root cause, right? To have to develop the so solutions that really produce the outcomes that we all want. Um, and so when we talk about um, race, it's not to the exclusion of everything else. It's just acknowledging that. 
um, that race is a foundation of oppression in our country. You look back in the slavery, I don't know if I'm rambling, but look back at slavery and um, thinking about how you did have indentured servants working right along with um, with uh, slaves and indentured servants, many of them, um, white wasn't a thing, right? White wasn't a thing. Um, and it really became these folks coming together saying, we're not gonna take the treatment that we're, that we're under right now. And, and then um, this tool for me about divide and conquer, we have to separate you so you see each other as enemies, so you don't work together so that we can keep the system operating the way it is. And that's what we have to get past to understand that we can um, look at the ways that our country has embedded racism in this country, and but still be focused on uplifting all Washingtonians, which we are. So a poor white kid in Tacoma isn't necessarily going to be left behind in your vision of equity and what your office's mission is. Yeah, we use a lot, one of the, um, one of the, uh, um, tools that I like to use is targeted universalism. So if you visited um, John Powell, uh, he's the director of the Othering and Belonging Institute in California, and he talks about um, a targeted universalism. And I invite anyone who's listening to Google that. Um, it's a very a beautiful video. It talks about we want to tailor approaches to what each specific community needs so we can raise the bench for everybody and everybody gets what they need. And so that's what it is, is what are the different com in Washington? We've got Beautiful, beautiful diversity in Tacoma. Beautiful diversity in Tacoma, where we are right now. What do, what do different groups of folks in Tacoma need so that they are operating at a place or have access to the same opportunities that everybody else does? And then we target the resources differently, but so that everybody's then raised up. It's interesting, I, I really appreciate your discussion about some of those issues, but it's interesting you're trying to do this work and in what is happening right now in the country. Lots of pushback now all of a sudden from DEI yeah. and equity initiatives, some court cases um, that have gone against um, some folks who do support things like yeah. um, some quotas. There's a court case uh, that's coming up before the Supreme Court right now. I can't, uh, uh, Saint, it's in St. Louis affecting Title VII that could have a major impact on the impacts of DEI and allow lawsuits to be begun by folks who believe they've been discriminated against as a result of it. How do you navigate that changing legal landscape mm -hmm. and social landscape with all the pushback, um, probably less in Washington than if you were doing this in Missouri? Not, I'm not raining on people in Missouri, but so it's a little different here. But still, you're aware of that environment. You do get the pushback. You are aware of the of the of the legal framework that's um, changing possibly a little bit right yeah. now. How are you navigating that? What are your thoughts about that? I know that's a big question. It is. It's you know. Um, being from someone who's from Tacoma, someone who came up with not a lot of resources, someone who has had access to opportunities, um, we need this moment. People in Washington, people in the country need this moment. There are so many people struggling. And so for me, it's <clears throat> we're not going to stop the work. We just have to be smart and we have to be telling our own story. So government is not great about telling our story. Um, and so, folks, there's a lot of fear. Right. Nationally, you hear about fear. Oh, the change in demographics. What does that mean? Oh, no. Am I going to be left behind? Zero sum. Right. You yep. and I lose. Yep. White and people it, are afraid. Right. And so for me, it's really saying we mean you, too. This mm -hmm. when we mean all people, we mean all people. And um, and being intentional about uh, our narrative, 
telling our story. We're going to launch a communication strategy next year so that folks can be directed, directly connected to us in a language that they can understand. So we're not going to be using all these big words, government. We like to talk in ways that nobody understands. And half the time, I don't understand. And so we're going to be using words that connect with people so that they can understand this means us so that they have a framework that we have. They have uh, understanding that is in direct opposition to what's going on nationally that seeks to divide us. Talk a little bit about DEI. The DEI that I've been exposed to, that training, is pretty, it, the, the bottom line, the message is, don't be a jerk. You know, <laughs> it seems very self-evident to me. I haven't seen anything that really says, hey, these are the oppressors, yeah. you're a bad guy, or anything like that in my experience. Yeah. Other folks report having that experience. Mm -hmm. And there's some research that shows out there that DEI is actually proven to be divisive in a lot of institutions and organizations. What's your take on that? Is, is DEI important or is it only important if it's done right? Um, how, do you, how do you view that and, and what are your thoughts about some of those discussions that are, are coming out of that research that shows, you know, some folks, it's actually dividing people. People aren't eating lunch together anymore, they're doing this. Yeah, I think um, we need to, part of the, our philosophy is about love, dignity, humanity, connection. And so a lot of it is built on having relationships. And so sometimes when we go into these spaces, I seek to build relationships with people first because then you can have the conversations that we need to have. Because now you see me as a person who is not trying to dehumanize you or make you feel less than. And the same thing for me feeling from you. And I think we need to have more of the, that kind of approach where we're building connections between people so that we can have the conversations about and also move away from these ideas that um, there's a pie and that I have to have more pie and you get to have less pie. That's, I mean, that's some of the conversation that it's been. And also acknowledging, you know, if you've read, I would also uh, read Heather McGee's book, The Some of Us. She has a, and she has a TED talk as well. It's a beautiful discussion about um, uh, these beautiful pools that we used to have in, in America. Beautiful pools. A public pool, every community, free pool, yeah, free mm -hmm. pools, right? Yep. And and you know everybody got to come. They were segregated, so only white people could, could come. And when a 1954 Brown v. Board came out and said uh, you have to no more segregation based on race, um, uh, they had to integrate these pools, and and many communities filled in the pools. They converted them to parks. They got rid of the pools, and what you had then were you had these pools, but it cost money. You had private clubs where pools came in and that's how people could have access to them. But who lost out on that? Poor white people too, because yep. they can't afford these pools. They can't, it was free before and now it cost money. So now poor white people lost as well because, and it's with, with black people. So racism harms us all. And I think that's the message that we wanna say is that uh, it's impacting a lot more people, even though we're focusing on race, the goal is to uplift us all because we're all facing these barriers that come from racism. I use that analogy constantly, mm -hmm. the pie analogy, when talking about this issue and also socialism versus capitalism. Mm -hmm. You know, Socialism's got this idea there's a, there's a fixed amount of pie and boy, you better get your piece, yeah. no matter what it takes. You gotta yeah. kill these folks to get your piece of pie there. You go. My thing is, no, we, we can grow more, let's get more pie. Mm. Let's make more pie. Mm -hmm. And. Um, it's interesting to hear you use that analogy. With that said, the counter argument to this, you know, a more measured approach is we're never going to get folks, we're never going to get certain populations to buy into this. It's got to be something that is mandated, that is, I wouldn't say forced upon them, but, you know, the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, a lot of folks wouldn't have voted for that if it would have been up for, you know, a, a public vote. Same with this. 
How do you get that balance right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that everybody's not going to buy in, but trying to get most folks. How do you how do you view that? How, when you go home at night, how do you think about that? Yeah, you know, in our office we have um, a multifaceted approach. So it really takes a lot of things. It's about connecting with people through our communication and engagement work. It's about setting accountability measurements because there is that we need, we do need to uh, show proge- progress, real progress to outcomes, um, and that accountability is important. And so in our statute. Um, we are supposed to bring accountability to Washington state government. Um, and in a lot of the um, laws that are passing um, some of the directors from the governor, we are supposed to um, be pr- providing that accountability to make sure this stuff really moves. We start moving. Um, and that's a part of it as well. So I, I think that there are. That's going to be who's interfused for jobs, how contracts are let. A lot of those things are the measurement pieces of yeah. this equity piece. So. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're <laughs> developing those right now because it's really it's really. Um, complicated yeah. right it's not just to me it's more than just like hey can we check this box and we check this box does this measure but how are the measurements moving towards outcomes and impact are we making and this is one of my messages that um, I'm, we're talking about in our office are people better off because of what we did yeah well i think and i think that's real clear i think that's i think that's a good I think that's a good measure it's hard, to go by. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's yeah. really what we're looking on. So are the measurements that we're going to look at going to get us to are people better off? And part of that is we have to check with people. And so I think this idea that everyone, that there are people who won't get on board, that's probably true. Not everybody will go along. But I think most people will. And, and then we'll move, we'll move along with them and we'll bring the accountability to kind of move it forward. Megan, thanks so much for coming to Northwest Now. Great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Anytime. Some conservatives talk about institutions like colleges and governments as being captured by a DEI, social justice, anti-racist, and identity-based philosophy that is anti-American and anti-capitalist. The bottom line, you need to understand exactly what both sides are really saying and figure out if we're heading someplace dark or if this is all just part of our society only now dealing with a dark past. The truth, as always, comes not from buying into the extremes on either side of the issue, 